This morning we want to look today at a scripture in Acts chapter 8. I want to talk to you about an unusual story in the Bible, but a great story in the Bible, one that I have really appreciated over the years. And here in Acts chapter 8, you're going to see this story of the of a man called Philip. And we first hear about Philip in Acts chapter 6. If you read through the Bible, you'll see his story there, that the disciples had decided that they had gathered together and they basically said, hey, we need some help with the ministry. We're getting, we're, it's, it's overcoming us basically is what they said, summarizing. And so they appointed other people to help with the ministry. One of them was Stephen, who we see in Acts chapter 7, was stoned to death for the gospel. And then also alongside of Stephen were appointed seven others, and Philip was one of those that were appointed. Being faithful to the gospel, preaching the gospel. And then we get here in Acts chapter 8, and we see Philip preaching the gospel. And Philip is known as Acts chapter 21. Paul is on his way to Rome. He's on that long journey, and he stops at Philip's house, and the Bible records him in Acts chapter 21 as Philip the evangelist. And the Bible tells us that he had a wife and four daughters, and the Bible says that the spirit of prophecy was upon those four daughters as well. And it just shows us the power of uh, Philip in investing in his family and the life of the impact that he had on his family. So here we get in Acts chapter 8, and now Philip has been called to go to Samaria. And he goes to Samaria. And if you remember John chapter 4, Jesus is preaching to the Samaritan woman. They're the outcast of society. The Jews don't really like the Samaritans, and there's just this tension there. But yet Philip, being a Gentile, also goes to Samaria and preaches the gospel. Later on, Philip kind of gets the label as the evangelist to the outcast. And you'll see why as we talk through his story today. But he goes to Samaria and something amazing happens to Samaria. Here are these, uh, these outcasts of society people. And he goes and he preaches the gospel to them. And their response to the gospel was incredible. Many people came to the Lord. There was just this huge movement of God's presence among them. They were giving their hearts to the Lord. And word got back to Jerusalem about what was happening in Samaria. Samaria that they said, we got to go see this for ourselves. And they sent Peter and John to go to Samaria. Samaria and they lay their hands on them. They receive the Holy Spirit and that town is just turned upside down. For those who like to study the Bible, the similar thing happened with that same outcast in John chapter four, when the Samaritan woman went back home, she told all the things she said, there is a man who has told me all the things that God has ever done and that I've ever done. And her town was turned upside down for the gospel's sake. And it's Interesting parallel that the Bible puts us that the gospel goes to even the outcasts, the outliers of society. The gospel is for them. And so now here is Philip in Acts chapter 8. He has just experienced this mountaintop experience, the power of God, the goodness of the Lord, people giving their hearts to God. As an evangelist, I'm sure that was probably one of the highlights of his life. And then we're going to pick up on this story here in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. The Bible says that then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And it's interesting that it's in parentheses that this is a wilderness road. Some translations might say this is a desert place. 
And what is even more interesting about this is that this is Luke's commentary, the writer of Acts, that he has inserted into this, that he's telling them that this where he's going, is, it's a wilderness place, it's a desert. He's been up north in Samaria, now he's being called to go south to the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is in the wilderness. So he got up and went. Look at his response. And now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. Take note of that. This guy, he's wealthy. He's not necessarily wealthy, but he politically has a lot of power in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Take note of that. And seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. And now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was like this. And one of the amazing things about uh, Luke's writing of Acts, in one of, if you really like to study the Bible, is where the Old Testament makes an appearance in the New Testament. And this is one of those occurrences. And it's just amazing, the scripture that he's reading here and the power that it's about to have on his life. He's reading Isaiah 53 that says, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before his shears, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation... Justice was denied him, and who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And then Philip began to speak, and starting with the scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. And the Bible goes on to tell them that as they're on the road, the eunuch sees a body of water and he wants to get baptized and he gets baptized. And then this unique occurrence happens where the spirit of the Lord, the Bible says, snatches him away and sends him to a town that is west of where he's at or northwest of where he's at. And we don't really know how he got there. Just the Bible says the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the best part about all of this scripture, I think, is that the eunuch, the Bible says, is that he went on his way rejoicing. I don't know about you, but if there's times in my life, and I'm sure it's probably happened to all of us at some point, if you've been driving for some time, you, you're driving down the road, and you get to this point, maybe it's a back road, maybe it's a main road, who knows, and there's this sign that says right in front of you, this road is closed. Now, for those who might be new to the area, or kind of trying to figure their way around still, that could be quite a challenging when you get a sign that says, this road is closed. And, or you may be trying to use your GPS and it doesn't like to respond to those types of commands. And you're kind of in this place now where they want to redirect you on a detour. And you know the best part about detour, uh, detours are is that they space those signs out so far apart that says turn left here, turn right here, that you really never know if you went the right way. And isn't that kind of like life, right? Is that there are so many detours in life. And I want to talk to you this morning about divine detours. Divine detours. It's been said that oftentimes we would like the Christian life to be this kind of straight path. And we're just all going on it and all together. But usually... 
The Christian life is more like a zigzag, a series of zigzags off of another zigzag, off of another one. It's this journey of trying to wrestle through life of following the Lord. And there are many detours, obstacles, and challenges along the way, but there are sometimes in our lives as believers, divine detours. Detours that were intended for a reason. Detours that God placed for a purpose. And Philip experienced a divine detour. It seemed unusual for Philip to go about this way he went. Remember, the Bible said that he, this, the, the commentary Luke added in there was that this is a wilderness road or this is a desert place. It was from what he had just experienced. Remember, he's all the way north in Samaria. And now God is calling him to go all the way south. And all he knows is God spoke to him and said, get up and go. And the place that he's to go, it's a wilderness. It's a desert. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like the type of journey I'd like to be on. Here I am in this great experience. He's having the, the best church service of his life. And now God's calling him to go to a desert. Oh, that's strange. That's challenging. So now, the interesting thing about this story is, is that there are kind of two divine detours happening at once. There's also this eunuch who's from Ethiopia, who has a very high level of political prestige. And now, what has happened in this eunuch's life is really quite sad is he went to Jerusalem worship, the Bible says. And now the Bible tells us he's on his way home. But apparently he didn't find in Jerusalem what he was looking for because he's still reading the scroll of Isaiah 53, which at the time is easily identified as the scroll about the Messiah. And now he's leaving Jerusalem still full of questions. Who knows what drove him to Jerusalem? But what's interesting is that somehow this Ethiopian has gotten news about what has been happening in Jerusalem. So he makes a trip there to try to find it to worship, but yet he leaves empty handed. And now he's on his way back home. Talk about discouragement. That was a long trip for nothing in his mind. And now he's on a path back home and he's wondering what is happening. However, Philip obeyed the Lord and followed his direction for his, God's direction for his life. And this encounter led him to meet this Ethiopian eunuch, what would become a divine detour. It was intended for him. It was the place where he would experience something that he did not know was in mind for him. And I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about divine detours and what it means for our lives and how those work and what it's like. If you've been following the Lord or serving the Lord in your life, you know that there are times in your life where God may prompt you or God may speak to you through his word or God may speak to you through a council of people around you and that are trying to direct your steps and God's trying to lead you and sometimes these detours in life they are unusual there's nothing good about a desert really in your spiritual life when you think about it on the outside I mean who wants to live in a wilderness there's nothing around you. It's a long road. I mean, I, I think I remember when we, were, we drove cross country a couple times all the way to California and you get to the Mojave Desert and that thing feels like it never ends. It just goes on and on and on. 
And I'm sure this Ethiopian eunuch had the same experience, that he's going through a desert wondering, what is this? Why am, why am I here in the Philip the same way? So a few things I want to show you about this is, number one, the Bible shows us that this was a different direction, a different direction. God called him to take a wilderness route, a desert route. It was the unlikely route. It was the place that he was just out on the mountaintop. Now he's got to go to a desert. He's got to go to the place that is despised. It's different. But notice what Philip does is he doesn't kick at the Lord. He doesn't fight the Lord. The Bible says he went up and he got up and went. And many times in our life when God is trying to lead us and guide us, all of us will have to get to a point in our spiritual lives where we will have to say that we're not going to despise the different. The thing that is unusual, it's not always comfortable following the Lord. Sometimes there are things God calls us on and paths God directs us on that are different. All Philip knew was that he was going to the desert, but it was in the desert where he found fruit. It was in the desert where he discovered a hundredfold blessing. It was in the desert where he discovered an encounter that he could have never otherwise never dreamed of. He went from being with the outcast of society to now sitting in the chariot of somebody who is right next to royalty, who is going to take that gospel and give it to the queen. Side note here for a moment. Some of the best theologians in the early church came out of Africa. Tertullian, among others, came out of Africa. Who knows whether it was the story of this Ethiopian that permeated the, coast of the, the continent of Africa through this encounter. It was a different direction, but it was a necessary direction. It was the direction that God intended for his life. The Bible teaches us in Proverbs 16 that a man's heart, plans his own way, but the Lord directs his steps. Isn't it true? All of us in our life, we have this uh, five-point plan for our lives and think, this is where I want to be at this phase in our life, and this is where I want to be. And I remember going through that in high school and college thinking, this is how I see it happening. And can I tell you how much of it came true? Probably none of it. Oftentimes, God leads us in a path that is not what we think is best, but is what he sees as best. The Bible teaches us that God's ways are higher than our ways. And I would rather trust in a God who I cannot see than to trust in my understanding of the next three days any day. God is in control and faithful. It was a different direction. The second thing we see is that, that he experienced directed steps. He experienced a different direction and he experienced directed steps. Guidance from the Lord often happens in steps. Wouldn't we love it all if God just dropped a manual in our life and said, hey, Charlie, on March 1st, I want you to do this. On March 7th, you go do this, and et cetera, et cetera. Wouldn't we love that if God just gave us a manual and said, here is what you're supposed to do with your life. But can I tell you, that's not how God works. God gives us direction in baby steps. The truth is, if many of us picked up that manual, we'd get to the end of it and we would never attempt it. That God gives us direction in steps. And we see that in Philip's life. That the first encounter, which he was really interesting, was it was an angel of the Lord who said to him, get up and go. Now, the truth is, if any angel of the Lord appeared to us and said, get up and go, a little fear might kick in and we'd probably go. But Philip went in obedience to what the angel spoke. And secondly, what is even more interesting is here's Philip. He could have missed the moment. 
It was baby step. First, the angel said, get up and go. He didn't have a clue where he was going. Just go. But then it was another baby step. The spirit spoke to Philip and said, go join this chariot. Now, catch this. The Bible says this chariot is moving. It's moving. And we see the Bible says that Philip ran up beside it. This, this chariot is not even stopping. And as a matter of fact, it probably showed some level of prestige and power. And for Philip to approach it might have been a risky move on his part. But yet the Spirit told him and in obedience. Here's Philip running up beside the chariot. And he hears him reading Isaiah 53. And he could have insulted him. And he said, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch responds. I think he may have responded in sarcasm. That's just my opinion. And he says, how can I unless someone guides me? I imagine that there was a little bit of frustration in his part. He had just went to Jerusalem and now he's on the way back. He still doesn't know who the Messiah is or what he's reading or what's going on. And so there's probably a little bit of frustration in his part. But then the Bible says that the Ethiopian eunuch invited him in and told him the good news of Jesus. They were directed steps. One step at a time. It was baby steps. First, get up and go. Then the Spirit told Philip, go speak to him. And that is how often the Lord works in our lives. We would love for God's grand plan to be revealed to us, but the journey of following Jesus is about faith. And if God revealed his grand plan to us, we would not be living by faith. We would be living on dependency of that plan instead of God himself. And God wants us to live in dependency of him. He's the best. He's the greatest. Above any plan, God is greater. And in our life, we've been talking about this throughout the past several weeks, but it is still true that in the Christian life, we live our lives by faith, not by sight. And that was Philip's journey. It was Philip, hey, close your eyes. You don't know where you're going. Just get up and go. But he went. The Spirit told Philip, go talk to this chariot. That's a risky move, but he went. It's moment by moment, step by step. And in our lives, we have to get to the place where we develop a faith that we say, instead of fighting against those little directed steps, instead of pushing against God and saying, I don't know about that, Lord, just say, yes, Lord, I will go. I love that the Bible shows that there is no hesitancy on Philip's part. It just simply says, and he got up and went. He just went. God wants that in our lives. Instead of doubting his plan, instead of wondering, well, I don't know, wavering in unbelief, just trusting him, saying, God, this is what you said. I will follow your direction. I will trust you. I will go where you lead me. And he went. But what is unusual is that sometimes it's different. It's, it's contrary to what maybe we're used to. It's not in tradition. We've kind of made it our practice here that if the Lord says, uh, uh, Pastor, to, says to Pastor Chad, hey, you sing this song. He sings that song because it doesn't matter what we plan or what we lay out. It's what God wants to speak right in the moment. It's the step by step. And I'm imagine sometimes even when preaching, you say, Lord, the Lord may say, preach this, Charlie. I think, Lord, how in the world is this going to help anybody? But the Lord says that's exactly what somebody needs to hear. Those are directed steps, moment steps. Maybe it's driving down the road and God says to you, hey, you go over there and you say to the Lord, I've never been over that place in my life. Why in the world would I go over there? But maybe there's a fruit there you don't see with your eyes. God's giving us directed steps. It was different direction. It was directed steps. And th lastly, he experienced divine direction, divine direction. I want to remind you today that divine direction still happens today. 
That God gave us his Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us, to show us the way for the purpose and plan for our lives, for the calling upon your life and my life. God gave us his Holy Spirit to show us the path we're going to take. The truth is, this eunuch went to Jerusalem and he couldn't find what he was looking for. He was really looking for the Messiah. And it was a detour for Philip that God was calling him off of a mountain into a desert. And now this is the element of the mysterious that is difficult for us. Because here's this eunuch. He's on his way home. It's not really clear. There's not a lot of certainty in the air. Just get up and go. And so he goes. But it's divine direction. Philip may have thought God was doing something in Samaria, and maybe he was to stay there. But he didn't realize that what God wanted to do in Ethiopia was just as great, if not greater, than what he was doing in this Samaria. And it shows us something, that divine direction always has our best intentions in mind. Sometimes the wilderness, we despise the wilderness as believers. Sometimes we despise the desert season in our lives where it feels like God is not present. I cannot find God anywhere I go. I feel lonely, isolated. But it's in those moments that God uses us to cause us to lean in a little bit closer and say, Lord, help me to hear. Help me to find you. It's in those seasons where you learn to pray. It's in those seasons where you learn to seek God's word for counsel and direction and what God what Philip was experienced and what this eunuch was experienced was divine direction it was how the Lord was just easily prompting him go here go here follow me here it was a detour it wasn't where he was planning to go but yet it was where God wanted him to go John 3 8 tells us about this the Bible says that the spirit blows or the wind blows where it wills and that's the way God's spirit works in our life. We see the effects of wind, but we can't see the wind itself. Wind is blowing here and there, but we can't really see it. All we see is what it hits. We see a tree, it moves. And in the same way, when we're following the spirits, guiding and leading for our life, our job isn't to wonder here, where is it? Our job is to just simply put up our sail and let God's spirit take us where he wants us to be. It was unplanned spontaneity. And there is an element of following God's plan for our lives that cannot be completely mapped out. There is some uncertainty. There is some things in the future that are not always clear. But listen, God hasn't called us to know the future. God has called us to live by faith. God has called us in this moment to say, yes, Lord, I will trust your plan for me. I won't go there. I won't go here. I will trust you. I'm not going to do my plan. I'm going to follow your plan. Musicians are going to come. It was divine direction. And I want to encourage you, your spiritual life, your planning your life, your, your going about your days, ask God for his direction. Ask God to lead you. Ask the Lord what his plan might be. Or maybe the Lord is speaking to you in your life and you're fighting against his plan. You're giving some tension and some friction. And God is just saying, don't fight me. Just say, yes, I have your best intention in mind. God is a good father. He is a good father. And what I love about the story the most is here's Philip and he's been called to go to somewhere that is not really pretty, is not really pleasant necessarily, but it's in that place that he experiences God's divine encounter. 
And following God's divine detours will ultimately lead us to a hundredfold blessing. They don't always make sense. You wonder, why am I here? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? It's just following God's direction and say, Lord, I will trust you. As I was reading through this about divine detours, I thought about a divine detour in my life. Just a couple years ago, I was living here in Virginia, and I remember the Lord was beginning to speak to Amaris and I to go move to California. And, well, it took a lot of faith, honestly. It was a very difficult decision. It's because we didn't really have everything mapped out. All we knew was pretty much the similar as Philip, get up and go. And so we went. And it wasn't necessarily the season I had thought it would be or planned it to be, but it was a necessary season. God did a lot in my heart that I surely needed. And it was during those days when I was looking, God, what are you trying to do? Where are you leading? Show me the way. I remember the Lord one day gracefully in a service just like this. The Lord spoke to me about coming here to All Nations Church. And here I was, had just moved from Virginia to California. And I felt God say, you're to go. Now, can I tell you something? In my mind, I thought, Lord, why in the world would I do that? That doesn't make sense. I just moved here. I just got here. We haven't even been here hardly a year. Why would I go back? Why? Why? We just sold everything we owned and packed it in our car and still only have those few possessions. And you want us to go back? The other part of me was like, we just drove 3,000 miles. We got to do that again. But the Lord was so faithful in helping me get to the place to know, no, this is what I have for you. It was a baby step. And can I tell you, the rest is history. It's been nothing but a hundredfold blessing. God's following, following God's plan is what he wants us to do. I remember during those days where I was wondering, Lord, I just, it doesn't make sense. Why would you lead me back? I remember the Lord reminded me of a scripture. I have a little wall in my office where I put some verses and inspiration. And this verse the Lord gave me to remind me. And it says this about Abraham in Romans 4. It says, Abraham did not waver in unbelief at God's promise, but was strengthened in his faith. And he gave glory to God because he was fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. I read that verse and it just hit me like a load of bricks. It thought, oh God, forgive me if I've wavered in unbelief, but I know that you are true to your word. Began to pray, God help me like Abraham be fully convinced that you are faithful to your promises. You never fail them, not once. And if God's plan says this, then God's plan will make that happen. God is faithful to actualize his plans for our lives if we will trust him. And today, you're maybe here. You need God's divine direction in your life. You're maybe you're on a divine detour. You're in a desert, in a wilderness place. I want to encourage you, don't waver in unbelief. Just trust God that what he's doing in the wilderness, in the desert, will be just as important as any other season in your life. Follow those promptings. Don't fight against it. But just say, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. The choir is going to come. Will you stand with me today?
Would you close your eyes with me today? I want to pray for you today. Maybe you've just been wrestling with the Lord lately. God, I just don't know what's next. Sometimes it's in the mundane where you learn to find God the best. Because when in the silence and the stillness and the dryness is where you just learn to trust Him. That even though it doesn't look like God is present, doesn't mean God is not present. Our feelings are not a determination of God's presence in our life. Faith is. Faith is the determining factor of God's presence in our life. Say, Lord, I know you're with me. You're here. And if God's prompting you, leading you, maybe you're wrestling with a call of God on your life. Maybe God's trying to lead you somewhere. Just trust Him. He wouldn't lead you somewhere that would lead you to harm. He's not going to lead you somewhere that's contrary to His Word. Maybe that's another voice you're hearing. But God's going to lead you where you can live in the full purpose He has for your life. Our job is just to say yes. And so, Lord, today we thank you for divine detours. God, they are challenging. They are hard. There's nothing fun, really, about a detour. But it's our obedience, Lord, in the detour where sometimes we see the best results, hundredfold fruit. And God, today we pray as a church, Lord, that we would follow your divine direction. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Lead us. Guide us, God. Lord, we don't want to plan out our own path in our heart, but we want the Lord to direct our steps. So, Lord, today we pray, lead us, guide us. Father, we trust that even the detour we're in now is a part of our destiny. It's a part of where you want us to be. So help us to follow you today. Help our response to be yes, yes, Lord, yes. God, build faith in our hearts again. Build faith in us again, Jesus. Lord, maybe somebody's growing weary in the desert. God, give them strength to endure. Maybe they're wondering, what am I doing here? What's going on? I pray comfort would come. Lord, we thank you today. We make it our response. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. This morning, I want to invite you. Maybe you want to pray where you're at. Kneel. Maybe you need to stand and lift and surrender your hands to the Lord. But may our response be, yes, Lord. Yes. The choir is going to sing this. I'll say yes. And it's never too much to say yes to the Lord again and again and again. And maybe today God's been trying to get your attention to lead you somewhere. And you just simply need to say, yes, Lord, I'm yours. Maybe the Lord's been trying to get a hold of your life and show you the great purpose he has for you. Your response, trust him. It's all right. He's a good father. He'll take care of you. He'll lead you, guide you. He knows what's best for you. Just let your response be, yes, Lord. I'll go. Maybe you're afraid of God's plan for your life. Tell him that. God, I'm afraid. I need help. 
Maybe you're worried about what this is going to look like. Just say, Lord, I'm worried. Help me. Help my unbelief. Don't let me waver. And God is faithful to every word he speaks. Let's sing this one.